This episode of the Yoga Wine Bar Podcast is brought to you by Inner North Star and the North Star Retreat Center. Whether you are looking for a complete life reboot, a yoga and meditation getaway, or a space to simply bring more mindfulness to everything you do, this is the Retreat Center for you. Located high on top of a mountain in San Diego's backcountry, you will really feel like you have gotten away from it all. In addition, there's a 20s-themed champagne room that will make your next event truly a memorable one. For more information, please visit innernorthstar.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-N-O-R-T-H-S-T-A-R.com. You can also track everything they're doing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the same name. And now, here is the next episode of the Yoga Wine Bar podcast. Hello and welcome everybody to the Yoga Wine Bar. My name is Michelle Dutro. I am your host. And I can't possibly tell you how excited I am right now to be where I am. I am actually coming to you live from Paso Robles in this wonderful, charming little wine tasting room. Before I go into a lot of detail about what they do here, let's step back for a second. If you know me or follow me at all, you know that I believe everything happens for a reason, and timing is also everything. Just yesterday, this website came across my path, and I had no intention, honestly, of having a kickoff episode with somebody that would be really, from my understanding, completely matched and paired with how I feel and truly the reason that this entire podcast and YouTube channel was started to begin with. The background and premise for all of this is around mindfulness, mindfulness not just when you're drinking wine with friends and family, but that that extends to all things so that over time you become more present in everything that you're doing. This particular little winery does that exact thing. So I can't wait to do a deep dive here with Nita as I bring her on. What Nita Mittal is doing, along with her husband, is really nothing short of unique. She's going to get to brag here in a second as how they are. I believe it's the seventh ranked, right? Seventh best tasting room in America, according to USA Today. How about that? No small potatoes, everybody. So there's a reason for that. Very unique in what they're doing. This is LXV Wines. Um, We're going to have in the show notes links to their website, how to join their wine club, and what they're doing. So without further ado, I'm going to turn this over, and the first question I'm going to ask right out the gate, you're going to notice a bit of an accent, is the background as to where they both are from, what brought them here, and what in the world they're doing in the world of wine. Um, I have to say you're very eloquent. Um, Hi, Michelle Thank you so much for coming in and taking the time. I loved it when you said that this is a beautiful matching and pairing because I've heard it about our wines and spices. I've no, never really heard it about my business. So that was very interesting. Thank you for saying that. Um, how did we end up here? Um, Kunal uh, and I, we, I tell people, in India, we don't grow up with wine, but we grow up with flavors. That's what we really understand. And wine was a medium for us to really uh, bring in that social aspect. And in between all of that, Paso fit as a home. And I cannot quite explain, but Paso reminds me of India. So there there were all these things that kind of uh, serendipitously came together and gave us this this platform to, uh, to deep dive into 
uh, our passion for wine, but through our touching our culture in a very interesting way, uh, because we pair our wines with spices. Um, and it's given us a very unique identity in the wine world, um, and also given us a, an, a space to talk about wine, our culture, the spices, Paso Robles. Um, it's a great ride we've had so far. Okay, if you didn't hear that, what she said was pairing wine with spices. That is right. Spices, which is absolutely the most uncommon, unique thing I've ever heard. We all know wine and cheese, right? Wine and chocolate. These are the most common, I think. So how in the world, and obviously your culture and your background, but what made you think here in the U.S. that people would get it? Um. So when people think about wine and food pairing, a very common misnomer is pairing wine with the protein. So our kind of instinct is, you know, am I having fish? Am I having chicken? But wine actually pairs with the seasonings, the salts, the spices, the herbs, the sauces. Um, the protein is actually a medium of delivery. So to the extent that maybe you match the weight of the wine with the weight of the protein, but the wine really plays with the seasonings and the salts and the spices. Um, give it a try. You, you know, when you're at a restaurant and you order something, your gut will go towards ordering a specific wine. Just order something that you feel really would go with the seasonings and you'll, you'll be blown away. Um, I tell people um, to, you know, when, when you have a burger with caramelized onions, order that Zinfandel. I know, nobody will, but try it because it's going to play with the caramelized onion, not the burger. And so um, that is the, that, the fundamental of the wine and spice pairing is to kind of start that dialogue of pairing wines with what goes around with the food, not just the protein. And the spice part of it, to be honest, the fact that I'm Indian kind of lends credibility to what I do, I guess. But there's only one spice in our spice portfolio that's Indian, which is the garam masala. It's my mom's recipe, comes from India. I joke, it's a contraband. Um, but really, it's more about herbs. We have everything from um, rose hips, rose petals, all the way to lapsang sushong tea, and everything in between. We have porcini mushroom, we have um, cocoa, uh, we have saffron, we have black truffle salt. And so it's and these still kind of categorize under spices. So when I say spices, the Indian aspect is just kind of um, to inspire and to tell the story, but it's really about all the seasonings that you use in, in your daily cooking in America. Okay, so break this down. So I'm sitting here, it's midday, so we just walked in literally and I said, stop talking, I wanna record all of this, <laughs> right? So I didn't get a whole lot of the backstory. So imagine if you're listening right now, driving um, to work and thinking, wait, what is she talking about? Does she literally sit? I think most people have been to a wine tasting room. Is she putting out a little plate sample of, of spices and are people like, you know, sucking on a lemon and then taking a shot of vodka? Is it the same thing? Here's a little bit of cinnamon and now take this wine or how does that actually work? That's what we do after hours on a good day. But okay, <laughs> the, nice to know. The spice bearings, uh, what we do is we dust a uh, sheep's milk cheese. So it has low lactose, low acid, more of a carrier uh, with different spice blends. Um, so what you have in front of you are four different, um, it's the same cheese, but four different 
uh, spice blends. And every wine is very meticulously paired with like a spice blend. And we go beyond that. So the spice blend is not only for the wine uh, pairing, but we also use it in recipes. See, wine is all about context. Um, and we want people to forget the technicality of the wine. We want people to forget the acid, the pH, the alcohol. Was it neutral barrel? Was it French barrel? Was it partial ML? We want people to understand that this is to be indulged in. This is a sensory experience. And that's where we take wine. We not only pair wines with the spices and the seasonings, we even offer recipes to bring them together. I like to joke we are the blue apron of the wine world, where we do wine, spice, and international recipes. Um, so the cheese is really a carrier. Um, it softens the tannins, just like adds, you would add milk to coffee. It's the same concept. Cheese softens the tannin in the wine, and then the spices really unlock flavors in the, in the wine. Um, we can talk all day about the complexity of a wine. Um, you, you are a psalm. Um, I have taken some training, but many people who come through these doors are, they are very, um, they want to explore wine, but not technically. And this is a chance for them to unlock the wine without really understanding the acid and the alcohol. It's through these pairings. So I'm uh, split right now. There are two very different paths that I want to go down. So I'm going to keep my eye on the time and I'm going to try to hit them both. So let's talk on the technicality side. For your wine club, are you literally sending people wine, spices, and recipe cards? Like, how does, is that what people are getting by being a member here? Yes, um, we are right now in a club season, and uh, I think we are the only winery, unless some, somebody calls me and tells me we're not, <laughs> we are the only winery in America to do this. Um, so the idea is to send you the wines, the pairing spices, and we also send you the recipes. The recipes, along with the spices, are curated in-house either by me or by uh, with the help of some local chefs. So the idea is when you get that, when you open our wine shipment, I promise you, it smells like heaven. You have all these amazing uh, fragrances of the spice packets. And then the idea is to give you a context to enjoy those wines. So we are not leaving you hanging saying, here's the wine, you know, figure it out. We are saying, hey guys, how about this evening that we are curating for you? And we kind of do that too. We, you know, our, our, our recipes and our newsletter is just not, this is the recipe. We kind of get cheeky about it too. So while you're on this, and now I'm on a third path, talk to me about the name that you came up with, because to me, that's sort of the mood or the feeling, the name of this business, your company, and why you landed on that and the significance of what you're saying when they open the box, it's truly, it's an experience that you're going to have. So LXV is 65 in Roman because we're inspired by the 64 arts of Kama Sutra. It's, a, it's an amazing philosophy to come from India, a very, very ancient, ancient philosophy. What it really talks about is the art of sensory living. What the West understands of Kama Sutra is actually a completely different thing. It's a British interpretation. But really what the book talks about is bringing in art, music, feng shui, architecture, all these arts into our lives and really enriching our sensory lives. So does wine. It's such a sensory experience, you know, the shape of the bottle, the way you open the cork, even the foil, and then the, that sound of that pop the way we, we are so careful when we choose our glasses and who we share the wine with. Everything about wine is so sensory. So for us at LXV, everything that we do is in your honor. You are 
the 65th art. You are LXV. I love it. And I had to look some of them up. I thought on the list is like from teaching a parrot to sing to carpentry. I mean, it really is. And if you don't have a yoga background, that's okay. But, you know, you should look it up. And what I love about this is what people or what has happened around tea, tea ceremonies is things have become very ritualistic for mm -hmm. an aspect of what you're doing in everyday life. Don't make it just an everyday occurrence. Make it special and make it unique. I'm hoping that what you're doing, what I'm doing, what we're doing together is going to make the art of a tea ceremony kind of a wine ceremony and that it's special and it's mindful and you really are thinking through every aspect of what you're doing, that it's not just drinking, but it is the feeling that you get from what you're doing. Right? Absolutely. In fact, I did a meditation at a tea festival, at the LA Tea Festival, and it was fantastic where we meditated and had tea. And the experience is so different than driving through Starbucks yes. and ordering tea. It's right. a very different experience. It is a very different experience. So what is your ultimate goal? This was one of my uh, paths that I wanted to talk with you about. If you were to look back, let's fast forward 20, 30 years, sometime down the road, and you were to look back at everything that you've done here so far and everything that you hope to do, if you were to say, and we nailed it, we really accomplished what we set out to do, what would have happened for you? That is a great question. Um, you know, I'm an engineer by, um, by uh, training, and uh, like most, of, most Indians are, and um, but, but I wanted to, I, I, I'm enjoying this path. I almost am not worried about the destination, I'll be honest with you, I wish I had a clever answer for this. I'm enjoying this journey we are having, and the reason I'm saying I don't want to talk about the destination, because I don't know how this is going to end up. There is no plot written for a Indian winemaker doing wine and spice pairings in this world. Um, so I, I, it's almost like I'm loving this journey. And, and trust me, when we, what we thought would happen three or five years ago, uh, when we opened the doors to the tasting room, is so different from where we are today. So I almost feel like if I have a destination in mind, I will rob myself of the possibilities. But having said that, maybe what I would love to happen along the way is um, if we have changed the dialogue in people who we touch, uh, people who see us at the tasting room, people who order our culinary boxes, if we have touched that moment for them, it's okay if we don't change their philosophy on wine and food. I'm okay with that. But that moment, if they feel like they, they sav savored something and they felt something and they felt heightened. My aim at LXV is you should leave with a heightened note. Doesn't matter if you are from leaving from the tasting room or you've received the box. You should leave on a heightened sensory note. If, I think if I can achieve that along the way, I would be happy. So if someone's listening now and they think, okay, well, I'm going to jump online and I'll see about joining the wine club. But in the meantime, I'm at home and I'm listening to this and it's 7, 7.30 at night and I have a girlfriend coming over and I want to open a bottle and I want to have an experience like what these two are talking about right now. If you were to say, hey, pay attention in the first 15 minutes as you're saying about removing the foil, Walk someone through mindfully when someone's tasting wine in a different way than the tannins or how acidic is it or is it a heavy body or light. If you're saying, hey, 
think about this. If, if they could hear your voice in their ear, what would that new experience be like in tasting wine? It should not be about the wine. It really should not be about the wine, if you really ask me. The wine should play as if you're playing bocelli in the background. And what I mean by that is, and I'm going by the scenario that you're asking me, inviting somebody, you're expecting somebody to be there. Um, it's almost like, and this, will si this might sound like a weird analogy, but what you would have done to the wine, find out where the wine is from, give it the right temperature, serve it right, if you do that for the person who's coming in and make it all about them, the wine, as I say, will play like Bocelli in the background. It'll serve it, it'll do its thing. Um, it should be all about the person. And how do you bring wine into it? Um, I think if you know the story of why that wine was made, much more than it's a Brunello or it's a, um, a Super Tuscan, if you, if you told that person who's coming to, to share this evening with you that you picked this bottle of wine because they had the story and somehow that connected to that person. And that's you know the whole thing about you said, about being mindful. Mindfulness is so much not only about us. Mindfulness is also about the people who are around us. And I think we forget that sometimes. Um, and, and for me, um, if an evening is all about in honor of that other person, um, and so is the wine, I think that would be great. In that case, even if you break the cork as you're opening it, that's fine. Um, that's okay. But it's all about them. And, and, and I think that, that will make the night much more beautiful. Fantastic. As said from somebody who is clearly practiced in other-centric thinking and mindfulness, which is fantastic. So back to you and what you're doing, as I'm hoping people are jumping on and clicking the link and finding out how to join the wine club and learning more about you. Talk to me about your wines. Do you make your own wines? Do you blend your own wines? You have specialties. I believe Sangiovese may be a favorite. So from your background and what you offer, what is that and why did you choose what you've chosen? Um, so, so LXV is um, our, our property is in this appellation called Willow Creek. And that's touted as the topmost appellation in Paso because of its location. Um, everything that we source is from Willow Creek appellation. Um, we are moving this tasting room to the property in about two years. Um, we still intend to keep this tasting room open to everyone and the tasting room on the property will be a club exclusive um, to begin with. Um, so Willow Creek is our identity. The appellation is our identity. The style of winemaking is very old world because it serves the purpose of why we make wines here. The mantra at LXV is food and wine. And when you make wines to pair with food, you want them to have that good acid. You want them to have good structure. You want them to showcase the terroir much more than the clone. Um, so yes, we are in California. And it's very difficult to go old world and make wines the way the French would um, or the Italians would, but we try our best within that capacity. So if you ask me the style of LXV wines, I would say very old world, great bracing acidity to them, great elegance, um, good structure. We don't make the big, bold California wines. Uh, that's not us. Uh, but we make wines that sing with food. Beautiful. And are there some specialties that you have? Yes. So um, we love... Um, 
this area is known for its Rhone varietals. Um, so we have a Rhone blend. We also have a Bordeaux blend, uh, which I think Willow Creek Appalachian is an amazing representation for Bordeaux. And then, um, of course, as I mentioned, Brunello, that's my muse. So we have a Brunello as a reserve. So what we do is we have blends, which Paso is known for. Um, and then we always have a barrel select program of reserves for our club members, which is usually um, a straight varietal or a signature blend, like a Bordeaux blend. Got it. So for you, since you are the master of this, let's call it Valentine's Day night. Your perfect meal is what? Such a good question. For me, Valentine's, Valentine's Day is so much about, and when I t I'm talking about food, it has to be an aphrodisiac high. Um, everything that you eat, experience, has to have that elevated sensory experience. Um, so for, for food and um, it's interesting, we, we, we do a Valentine evening in a box where we send four of our wines and suggest how to start the wine with this amazing Viognier of ours, which is very bright and almost feels like somebody squeezed a lemon in it and pair it with, uh, if you would, oysters. And then we even suggest being naughty with something like absinthe popcorn. Who would do that? Um, and so we like to, you know, for me, it's it's about... Uh, even breaking the norm, because Valentine's is so much, it's become such a norm. And if you do something like absinthe popcorn, or we did uh, uni, uh, we sent in that box a reserve Sangiovese that was paired with uni pasta. Uh, we have a, another cab blend with cocoa mac and cheese. And so the idea is, how can we break the norm and kind of fit it with our wines and play with our wines? So ideally for me, um, it doesn't have to be LXV wines. Pick the wines that you want. See what wines you really gravitate towards. And then just play with it. Uh, you know, steak, champagne, great. Absinthe, popcorn, you're going to blow her away. I promise you. And... Um, there's something about a guy making a cocoa mac and cheese for you, which is fantastic. It's 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 amazing. So um, for me, it should be about breaking the norm, uh, but in a sensual way. And I think that advice should be taken really uh, every night, don't you agree? <laughs> That's absolutely true. Exactly. That's absolutely true. Perfect. Yes. So gentlemen, I hope you're listening up. Uh, all of those hot tips uh, should be followed. And is it too late? Can they get some of these now, even though we're certainly past February? Are these wines still available? LXV is all about inspiring your senses all around the year. Uh, we don't we don't um, believe in Valentine's being a very special day. We don't take a break from inspiring your senses. How nice, about that? nice. I love it. Yes, we could talk for days on this. So as we are wrapping this podcast up, and this is uh, coming to a close, if someone is listening and they think I would like to learn more about wines, I don't even know where to get started from your background and your expertise, and if they're wanting to get into it mindfully food pairings and spices and the whole sensory uh, perception of what we're doing that, as we talked when I first sat down, that hopefully translates to all areas of life. If someone wants to get started from a learning perspective, because there's a hundred books out there, lots of courses, 
what would you recommend somebody do just from a learning to get better educated on this whole topic? What would you tell them? I would start and I would begin with what do you like? It's so much, so almost always, um, you know, there is this thing about, you know, when you take these classes and courses and you're supposed to like certain things um, and you start molding your taste according to that. I would say first drink the wine without any knowledge, without any judgment, gravitate towards what you like. Do you like elegant wines? Do you like heavy wines? Do you like the tonic wines? Do you like... Um, uh, wines that have brininess in them, or do you like wines with that barnyardy funk? And once you know what you gravitate towards, then start exploring those stories behind those heady notes. Why does it taste like brine? brine? Why does it taste like, smell like barnyard? Um, I would say, um, if you really want to start inspiring yourself, and I never say educate, because, because educating in wine, is, it's, it's a myth. It's not an education. If you want to start inspiring yourselves about wine, start really first understanding what you love about wine. Don't listen to anybody. It's such a personal thing. Wine is personal, it's subjective, it's triggered by memories. And so see what you love, what you gravitate towards, and then start finding the stories behind it. It's, it's, it's amazing how you will you will find a pattern on why you start liking those wines because you'll see it's the, literally like the stories behind it that will start connecting with you. It's very interesting. Fantastic. Now, uh, on that note, there is a wine in front of me that yes. I am going to taste. So what is this? So we're starting with our 100% Viognier. Uh, this is done very, very much in what we say Condru style. Uh, it's a, an area in the north of France. And um, the emphasis on the Condru style is... Viognier tends to have a lot of those honeysuckle, jasmine notes. But with this wine, you do have those notes, but it's just a play of it. The emphasis is on the minerality, uh, as it would be in, 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 in a Condru style of wine. Um, and this is paired with garam masala, which is um, a blend of 21 spices. That's one. It's 21 brown spices. It's cumin, cinnamon, nutmeg, um, cardamom. Um, I always tell people, when you pair food and wine, you want the food and wine in your mouth at the same time. We tend to chase one with the other. Just have it in your mouth at the same time. You will see that the minerality really, really comes forth. Um, and that's the idea behind these pairings is do you unlock something that you probably didn't get before? So let me be the um, response to that. I had first just a sip of the wine, then I had them together, exactly as Nita said, changes the entire experience changes the entire experience and the cheese what she's having is probably not even the size of a dime no it's so fundamental it's so simple we you know in food and wine pairing we get we make it a bit too complicated it doesn't have to be it's just a small piece of cheese that's sprinkled with garam masala it's as simple as that well, you got to get on board you got to jump on this website you've got to see what these folks are doing it's phenomenal if you haven't ever considered the impact of what you're eating and the style of wine that you're drinking and that one will significantly change the flavor of the other, it could ruin a great wine or it could ruin a great meal, or conversely, it could make both of them insanely, profoundly better. This is a fantastic place to start. Jump over on show notes, jump over to the website. That website and where people can find you is what, again? It's www.com. LXVWine.com. LXVWine.com.
Perfect. And I'm assuming you ship anywhere in the U.S.? Absolutely, we do. And um, I always invite people, if you have any, ever any questions, and it doesn't have to be regarding our wines. If you're hosting a dinner and you kind of want to uh, be experimental about something, just shoot me an email at info at lxvwine.com, and I would love to answer your questions. And she does so quickly, I can tell you. I literally wrote to her yesterday, I'm here today. So she's not joking about her promptness and thoroughness with this. Another great dedication to your craft, which is exceptional. My final question for you. Somebody's listening outside of the wine thing, and they're thinking, oh, this whole mindfulness thing. It's such a trendy word. It's everywhere. I might take a yoga class. Maybe I'll even sit in a meditation class. I'm not sure. I just want to try to become more mindful, said with air quotes, whatever that is. If I want to wake up tomorrow and think somehow I want to try to incorporate mindfulness more into my life, what does that mean? What does that look like? What is one great tip you could give me on how to make that more of a reality into my world? What would that be? You know, it's going back to what I just said a little bit earlier, at least for me. Uh, and this is very personal, and I'm not saying this is how it should be for everyone. For me, being mindful of the people I love and being mindful of their presence and um, their, their presence in my life, their presence in my space, makes me mindful about my presence. And what I mean by that is anytime when I'm with someone I love and I'm aware and I am, I'm being in the moment, automatically I'm in the moment. If I'm doing it for them, automatically I am. And for me, it starts there. Um, and in the morning, I mean, you know, one of the things that um, um, my husband, he, he, he works in the tech industry and he's a crazily busy person uh, who also supports this business. So, um, but my, the, my best mornings are that start with just a few moments before he rolls over and checks his. Uh, phone, which they all, with all techie husbands do, um, just those few moments. So for me, mindfulness is so tied up with this person I love. And as I said, it doesn't have to be the same with everybody, but for me, it is. It really is. Excellent. And I think you bring up a great point. I think that once we do focus on others and put and shift that mindfulness to our self-centric thinking to others is everything around us then shifts. And we do become much more aware of how we're showing up and what energy we're bringing to a room when we're looking at someone, how, how they're reacting to us and thinking, what did I just do or say to make that expression on you? So, And may I say something real quick? Yes. When you walked into the room and we were having a crazy day as you walked in, and I loved your energy when you walked in. So you, you are the kind of person who understands um, because it's not only about um, uh, practicing mindfulness from 8 to 8.30 in the morning when we set it on our calendars. It's about being that all the time. And I wanted to say that to you. Uh, we are having a little bit of a chaotic day here at LXV because of a club pickup party and uh, the venue being shifted. And um, it was just amazing the energy you brought in. So I appreciate that. I can, say, I can see you're a person who embodies it more than just practices it. And that's two completely different things. I appreciate that. It's It means more to me than you can imagine. And... I do think when people think about meditation and they're going to go to a meditation class or meditate for 15 minutes a day or a half hour a day, at some point it just has to become your way of being. So we and share you, that completely. You are. You Thank are. you. 
Well, what a wonderful note to end on. I truly want to thank you for your time and your spontaneity in the middle of all kinds of chaos that you allowed podcast equipment into your wine tasting room, and you're so accommodating. Truly, thank you. And I encourage everybody, again, everything will be on show notes. So please jump over, check out what they're doing. It's absolutely phenomenal. And really, what a blessing you are to the wine community. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for taking the time to see us. This episode of the Yoga Wine Bar Podcast was brought to you by Inner North Star and the North Star Retreat Center, reminding you that the next person you meet, that next conversation you have over a glass of wine, could be the one that changes your life. Stay present and cheers to making every moment matter.